So Matthew chapter 24, we're ending, we're ending this kind of series, okay? It's part four in a series which I kind of described as end-time prophecies. Uh, this is the final bit. You'll be glad, to, kind of glad to know. Um, this, is, this is us wrapping up this portion. However, the next series is very similar. It's a consequent of what we're learning right now. So we're definitely moving on to kind of the consequence. So if this is what's happening, or if this is what's going to happen, what do we do about it? And that's going to be the next series. So this is us ending the questions, if you will. Because this, this, Jesus' disciples asked him questions. In fact, let's turn to the next first slides and look at these questions. Because you see, Jesus, he's now in Jerusalem. He's walking about. He's, he's waiting for the cross. He knows he's going to die on the cross. And he's trying to, he's told his disciples, listen guys, I'm going to die on the cross, but it's for your benefit. Okay, it's for your salvation. It's for, it's for not just your benefit, but the benefit of the world. It's a sad thing, the cross. It's a sad thing Jesus died on the cross. It's a sad thing, but it's necessary. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And that's what we talked about the church. The church is God with us through his spirit. If Jesus was just still flesh incarnate, he couldn't be at every church every day, every week, every year, right? Because he'd have to travel around, you know. But his spirit is with us. And his spirit doesn't have to travel around. It's there. You know, it's, it's everywhere. So, so there's Jesus in Jerusalem. He's waiting. He's waiting for the cross. His disciples are with him. He looks at the temple and he says, see this thing? It's going to be destroyed. And then they start asking him these questions. First one is, what about this temple and its destruction? Okay. That's the first question they asked. Second question, give us some signs, some indicators of your coming. Because I think they kind of understood that Jesus is going somewhere, you know? He made it very clear. But, 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 but you're the Messiah. You need to restore the world. So when are you coming back to do that? Yeah? What, what? So what's the sign? How are we going to know when you're coming? And then also the third question, what's the sign of the end of the age? Okay. And so we've already dealt with this in Matthew 24 in somewhat of a chronological order. And the reason why I say that is because there's indicating words like then and when, immediately after. He did use these words. And so we think there's somewhat of a chronological order here, even though he does answer these questions kind of, you know, almost in sequence as well. And in, in, in chapter 24, we, we see these four things as signs to what to look out for. First, the false messiahs and prophets. And we saw that in verses 4 and 5, and he reminds us again later on in verses 23 and 26. He talked about troubles, persecutions, and social unrest. Uh, we might call these tribulations. And this is, we saw in verses 6 to 12. Then he talked about this abomination that causes desolation. We spent a lot of time talking about what that is. And that's in verse 15. And then he's catastrophic events, the world itself just doing these completely out of the ordinary freaky things. And that's in verses 7 and 29. Then, Christ's return. So yeah, these things, these Bible prophecy things that we're looking at in Matthew 24, seem a bit sci-fi. They seem a bit out of this world. And you know what? They are. They are. Jesus, I, I mean, he does things that are out of the ordinary. God does things that are ordinary. In fact, we're going to talk about Noah and the flood a little bit tonight as well, or this morning as well. I mean, there's some weird things that God does, but God's kind of allowed to do that because you see God's God. Uh, Christians, we believe in a theistic God, which means it's a God who interacts with people. He's totally powerful and he totally interacts with us. He's there. He's personal. 
as opposed to, say, a deistic God, which is the idea of a God who started it all but just kind of hides in the sky. We don't believe that God hides in the sky. He, he wants to be a part of our lives. I mean, he did that with his son. God sent his son, and that's a mind-boggling thing. God sent his son to, to come live in flesh and die on the cross. But we know he's a son because of the miracles. We know he's the son of God because he, was, he rose from the grave. And we're going to see that and some of the evidences of that when we get to it in Matthew. So God does do pretty weird things. That's why we use the word maybe miraculous or supernatural because it's out of the ordinary. So, But when Christ returns, and he made it very clear in verses 30 31, it's going to be obvious and visible to everyone. So he's not going to come and hide. He's going to come and he's going to make himself known. He's going to be visible for all to see. And then he used the illustration of the fig tree. And this is in verses 32 and 35. And basically what we got from that illustration is this. Know. The advice is to know how to read the signs. So be familiar. Know how to. Be familiar with how to read the signs. And that's why we, we look at the Bible. We look at God's word and we, and we compare verses with verses and we, we, we meet and we talk about these things and, and we are persistent, diligent, disciplined in our understanding of God's word because we want to know how to read the signs. You see, when the Pharisees, the religious people of Jesus' time and the Sadducees and all the other religious folk of Jesus' time, when Jesus came as the Messiah the first time, they should have known there are plenty of signs. There are plenty of indications that he was the Messiah. But they didn't know. They didn't know how to see the signs. They didn't know how to read the signs. So our warning today for the church here now is we need to low learn how to read the signs. So let's move on. Next slide. So the question. When, when, when are you coming, Jesus? Give us the year, the month, the day, and the time. When, when, when are you coming? When are these things happening? Come on, let's put it on our calendar because we don't want to miss it. So let's book it. But Jesus says we don't know. And I wonder why we don't know. Maybe it's because God wants to keep us on our toes, you know? <laughs> Just living in anticipation of he can be coming any time. He can return any time. And that's why he says, and this is us picking up our study from 36. But about the day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the, only the Father. Now, some manuscripts, I'm not going to talk about Christ and his knowledge, because some manuscripts actually leave that out, nor the Son. I, but I'm not going to go on that today. The bottom line is, and the point I make here is, you're not going to know. <laughs> you're not going to know. God knows. Stay on your toes. Yeah? But this is a sign. Here's an indication. As it was in the days of Noah. Think back to your Sunday school days, guys. Think about the days of, do you guys know what it was like the days of Noah? Why did the flood come? Do you guys know why the flood came? We know the, the rainbow and the ark, and we can see the little ark picture and the, you know, the drawings, the animals' heads sticking out and everything else. But why was there a flood? Do you, do you know why there was a flood? Because people in the world were completely, utterly wicked, and God judged them. Sad, indeed. But God saved. He rescued Noah. Let us be like that Noah. Let's, let, us, let us be righteous like Noah was righteous and be rescued. Because this is what he says. As it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving a marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark. Now, it's not evil to eat and drink 
It's not evil to marry and to give and to marry. What he's trying to, the point I make here is it was life as normal. It was just regular life. It was completely unexpected. You went to work. You did your things. You came home, had a meal, got ready for bed. It wasn't that these particular things are evil or wrong. It was just life as normal. It, but all of a sudden, unexpectedly, okay? So life as normal. This, now, I put here 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, 3. And I like this. This works really well these scriptures. And so we're going to return to 1 Thessalonians 5 one more time. But in verses 1 to 3, read this with me together. It says, now, brothers and sisters... That's the church. Hopefully that's us, brothers and sisters, yeah? About times and dates, we do not need to write you. Okay. We don't need to talk about it. Why? Because we're constantly waiting, right? For you know very well, right? While people are saying peace and safety, everything's all right. We got things covered. Insurance is in place. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the bank account's not too bad. The job's pretty secure. Things are right. Peace and safety. But like a thief, think about what a thief, does, does a thief advertise his, his, his coming to your home to rob it? No, it's completely unexpected. Peace and safety. But then I, I underline this next portion. Destruction will come on them suddenly. As labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Now, the day of the Lord is a, is, is a day of judgment. In, in the Bible, it's used to talk about God's judgment upon the wickedness of the world. Okay? It's just got to get that out there. God has given us a solution in the Son. Without the Son, there's only judgment. That the day of the Lord... Now, I put asterisks here because I wanted to find what the day of the Lord is in reference to His Son and His return. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the... Okay? Sorry. And so the day of the Lord refers to that time of judgment. In Joel 2, 31 or 32, it says this, The sun will be turned into darkness. Have we already read verses like this? <laughs> it's almost it's so reoccurring, this idea of this crazy, catastrophic events. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's, see, when Jesus came as Messiah, he came gently to rescue us from judgment. But he's going to come again. See, because Jesus already came. His next time, his next coming. And this is what the questions the disciples asked. When are you coming back? It's going to be like the days of Noah. The days of Noah was a time of judgment. The day of the Lord is, is great and dreadful. But, here's the good news. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like with Noah, he was saved. Let's go to the next slide and look at Noah. And I'm wondering if this is the, uh, uh, the sign. Because he did say the sign is like these Noah. So is this another sign to look out for? Genesis 6, 5 through 8 is the first paragraph there, okay? The second paragraph there is Genesis 6, 11 through 13. And I just want to read it and embrace the wickedness, embrace the problem, and think this is a sign, this is an indicator of how the world is going to be when Jesus returns, is this indeed the world we live in today? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. It was normal practice. It was, it was taught to lie, to manipulate, to thief, to abuse it was common practice within society. Do you realize that this is wickedness? 
This is evil. Integrity is wonderful. Virtue is wonderful. But when a society starts to lift up and praise vices, wickedness, we got a problem. And that was the society of the days of Noah. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race. You see, we talk about God loving us so much, and you know he does love us so much. But God is a perfect balance of justice and mercy. As much as he is merciful, as much as he is a judge. And as much as he's a judge, as much as he is merciful. And within the animals, the birds, so on and so forth. But Noah, okay, I want to be like Noah. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, and I even think, just a side note, of like, even like, remember when Abraham pleaded with the angels of the Lord when they were going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah? Why did Jesus, why did God send down fire and brimstone to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah? Again, because the whole town, the whole region was completely wicked and absorbed in wickedness. So he came to judge. But Abraham's plea was this. But if there's at least a few people that are righteous, that love you, God, that are following your ways, then you'll spare them. And he said, yeah, I would. I will. If there's just a few. Even if there's 10% of the population, I'll, I'll, I'll spare them. Even if it's a few less, I'll spare them. The problem was, there was only one guy. And he's like, well, let's do this. Let's take him out. And that's why Sodom and Gomorrah was, was judged. But notice who was spared, that righteous one, Lot. And it's arguable how righteous he really was. What was he doing in Sodom Gomorrah, I wonder. Anyways, the point is this. God's merciful. God gives opportunity. God will rescue. Now, the earth was corrupt. That's the problem. It isn't that people were wanting to do well and like, well, that's no fair, God. They were corrupt, full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them the earth. And again, that's now we have our memory of that ark floating in the water and the, the you know, the doves and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the twigs and the, you know, the rainbow. But why the flood? That's, this is why, the wickedness. What is the flood? It's judgment upon the earth. And so I wonder in the next slide, is the church like a type of the Noah? Is it like Noah? Again, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 to 11, I like these verses. They, they work really well for what we're learning this morning. It says this, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. Right? We don't practice the way of darkness, do we? No. We're delivered. So this day should not surprise us. We're on our toes. And this is, just, just I'm going to let the little spoiler alert, the next series is going to be about being ready, being prepared. Because We're prepared. We have our alarm system, so to speak, on the house, ready to go. Come on, bring the thief in. We'll catch him. <laughs> we're, we're not going to be surprised. We're, we're seeing the signs. We're on our toes. We're ready. We're not in the darkness. We're not, we're not ignorant because we're being diligent and learning and preparing. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night of the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep. But let us be awake and sober. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, so get open-minded, clear in thought, putting on faith and love as breastplates, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So these important elements, faith, practicing faith and love, hope, having hope. There's nothing to fear, nothing to fear. If you belong to God, there's absolutely nothing to fear. For, highlighted for emphasis, for God did not appoint you to suffer wrath. Okay, know that Jesus suffered wrath on the cross for you. Okay, know that. Jesus suffered the the cost of your sin, the, the price of your sin, the wrath of God for your sin on the cross. So if you have received that gift, if you belong to him, and if you are sealed with his Holy Spirit, you you belong to the church, if you've given your heart to him, if you're his, then then, then his wrath is not, it's done. It's completed on the cross. It's done. So we don't have to worry about this wrath. We don't have to worry about it. Because God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to go a step further and say the world does not need to suffer wrath. But we know that the world isn't going to turn to him, right? They don't need to suffer wrath because this is a free gift for all. But there's going to be so many who say, eh, let me just do it my way. He died for us so that when we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. So it doesn't matter if you sleep, it doesn't matter if you're awake. You don't have to be awake 24-7 looking for him at the window. You can comfortably put your head <laughs> on your pillow at night and go to sleep. And if he comes at night, he's going to wake you up gently, so to speak. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid if you belong to him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And that's what we do, yeah, guys? That's what we do. We need to build each other up and encourage each other. Hope. Don't have to be afraid of God's coming wrath. We're covered. We're fine. We're saved because we put our trust and hope in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're doing, right? Just in fact, that is what we are doing. So next slide. A really strange thing is going to happen as well. Really strange thing. And so I call this next slide, or this next portion, a strange thing will happen to hand. Enoch, the great-grandfather of Noah. So speaking of Noah, there was another fellow who lived amongst the great wickedness of the world pre-the flood. Um, he's the grandfather of Noah. And, 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 and so, I mean, certainly the world may not have been as wicked in the time of Enoch as it was in Noah, but certainly it was getting there at best. Okay, so we reckon there's certainly wickedness upon the world. But how did Enoch handle it? And what happened to him? It's an interesting fellow, this guy. And the reason why I'm mentioning him is because of this really strange thing that happens in Matthew 24, 40 to 41. Jesus all of a sudden says this. Two men will be in the field, and then one will be taken, and the other left. So you have these guys working in the field, and the one just, it's gone. And the other one left behind. Two women grinding, working at work, just like I says, like with the whole, in context, Noah, life is normal, and then one's taken. What's this word taken? Now, earlier we talked about the, the flood taking the, the, the wickedness. And so we wonder, who's being taken here? And the word used when, 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 when they talk about the flood taking all of the, the wickedness of the world, it's a radical, forceful ripping away. But the word taken here, 
Paralambano is strange. It's like taking an association. It's like if a, as a man would come for his bride or an, a, who come for an associate, like you hear, to receive near. It's very intimate, this taking away. So it's not like someone coming like the police to rip you away and put you in jail. It's like a rescuing. It's like, come on, you come with me. To receive near, associate with oneself in any familiar or intimate act or relation. So it's a gentle thing. It's like, you're coming with me. Nothing to be afraid of. It's not judgment. This is like a rescue. You belong to me. You're coming with me. So we have this crazy, strange thing happening where these people are all of a sudden just taken. Genesis, again, 5, 24, we see something similar to this happening with Enoch. That's why I mentioned him this morning. Look at what happened with Enoch in verses 24, chapter 5 of Genesis. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Okay, get that in your head. In a time of wickedness, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more. What happened to him? Did he disappear? Was he kidnapped? Because God took him away. Okay, God didn't just take him away in his mind, in his soul, and in his attitude. He took him away. His body was gone. And if you don't believe me, look at Hebrews 11.5. I put this in New American Standard because of its literal. The NASB is very literal. We don't, I love it. But it's kind of hard to read because it's so literal in its handling of language. That's why I tend to go for NIVs. It's a bit more expressive. But look at these words. By faith, Enoch was taken up. Okay? Taken up. It's like we see this taken away in Matthew 24. So that he would not see death. So he didn't see death. He didn't die. So it wasn't just like a moment of being caught up and then dying. He literally didn't see death. He did not die. He was taken away. And he was not found because God took him up. Again, I like, this wasn't me who capitalized that, by the way. These are the, the, the translators and their interpretation of the original manuscript. And he was found because God took him up. This must have been really bizarre for both he who wrote it in Hebrews, for those who translated it, and just as much as it's odd for us today. What does that mean he was taken away? Tar took him up. For he obtained the witness that, he, that before has been taken up, he was pleasing to God. So we have a man, Enoch, pleasing to God, faithfully walking with God, and God took him. So take that, put that in your back pocket, chew on that, and let's go to the next slide. Some weird stuff going on here, guys. But you know what? If you're going to ask Jesus questions about things we don't know, and he gives us answers... You just got to just trust. <laughs> He's God. He's the Lord. And these things might be pretty bizarre and pretty weird, but he knows what he's talking about. And in my life, just to let you guys know, I've seen some pretty weird things. <laughs> I have. We've seen some miracles. I know some of you guys here in this room have seen God do some pretty miraculous things. Yeah? So when he says he's going to do these things... We need to put our listening caps on and really pay attention. Is it getting too cold in here? I'm getting a little bit cold. You guys okay? Okay, we're almost done anyways. So therefore, and this will conclude this portion of kind of prophecy, kind of end time things. And we're going to go into, well, it's still going to be in light of the end times, but it's more or less being on guard, being prepared. So therefore, therefore, because of these things, That's what therefore means. Because of these things, let's keep watch. 
Keep watch. Be on guard. Be on, that's why earlier I said, let's be on our toes. Yeah, let's be on our toes. Let's be sharp. To take heed, lest through remission and laziness, some destructive calamity suddenly overtakes. When I saw this definition, I thought of the thing that all guys tend to struggle with, that's procrastination. I know that because I am that person. <laughs> Usually when it comes to like my house and keeping it up and doing you know, housework and things like that and washing the car, you know, I'll do it later. I can't be bothered. <laughs> and then, you know, something, oh, now it's really out of control. Now <laughs> I really have a lot of work on my hands. You know, procrastination. Beware of spiritual procrastination. I guess that's the idea, isn't it? Therefore, keep watch. Be on guard. Be careful. Be careful of spiritual procrastination. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. The implication is very strong here that he will come. He didn't say to his disciples, I'm not coming back. I'm going to go to heaven and you're going to just hang out on earth and have a good old time. No, he didn't say that. The implication that Jesus is coming back, Jesus didn't stomp that out. He made it very clear he's coming back. And it's going to be a time of, of, of judgment. His first time came as it's described like a lamb, gentle, soft, as a sacrifice, submitting to the cross. Second time is going to be like a lion, like a king, like a strong presence. Be on guard. The Lord will come back. And you don't know the day or the hour, but he will. But understand this. Put this, understand this. Put this in your heart and your mind. And this is another little illustration. I like this illustration. We're going to see a lot more illustrations coming in this next few themes, or this next theme of being prepared, being ready. If the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming. Again, the idea of a thief coming. You know, he would get the security system. In order, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. Of course, if someone called you and said, oh, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, I'm going to rob you tonight. Oh, cool, thanks for the heads up, man. You'd get your, your buddies to come out with the sticks. Come on, bring it on, right? You wouldn't go to sleep comfortably that night, would you? Of course not. And he says, but you don't know. Why did God not tell us? Maybe it's important for our own personal character development that we don't know. Maybe God knows things we don't know. You know, maybe it's good that we exercise. Stuart's been going through a series of faith. Faith's about just trusting in God despite knowing all the details, right? It's having trust that what we've, uh, we've seen enough of God to put our trust in him. He has given us enough evidence to trust him. But yet all the little fine details may be hidden. We still trust. So here's what we need to know. Be on guard. The other little bits and bops, we just kind of, maybe it's there to build faith, to build character, to build, give us, make us the people that God really wants us to be. Strong people. People who walk by faith. I know people say, oh, you're weak. You need your faith. No, 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 no. People who walk by faith are strong. It takes a lot of strength to say, you know what? This is a hard thing I'm going to come up against, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it trusting that God's going to get me through it. That's strength. That's integrity. That's some serious inner character. I mean, it's a fearful one who goes, oh, they're going to break in my house. I'm just going to go dig a hole at night. No, but these guys are like, no, we're going to be constantly on guard, constantly prepared, ready. 
Ready, ready, ready. Keep watch. So you also must be ready. Every one of us. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at the hour when you do not expect him. Next slide. And, and this is for next week, if, if we're still here. I had to put that there. I'm sorry. I had to put that there. I, I apologize. I, I put, first I put next week, and then that's it. And I said, I, I don't know. I just, I watch the news. I don't watch the news that much, but I don't like it. It's the bad, so bad, the news. I listen to all the, the terror and all the, the troubles and all the problems and the economy and the, ah, the, it, so many problems. I'm like, man, the signs are all over us. It just, I remember talking about this when I was a kid in the 80s and stuff like that, but it's just, it's progressively getting, you know, crazy this world we're living in. So anyways, if we're still here next week, well, that's our next series. You also must be ready. So we'll be seeing that for the next three or four weeks. And this is going to be obviously, that's obviously, it's taken from Matthew here, 24, where he says, so you also must be ready. This is the words of Christ. So it's not my opinion. It's not my words. It's not my series. This is, we're just going through Matthew. This is, this is the series. This is, this is how God put it together. I'm just kind of going with what God has here in Matthew. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him.